There's a column for that A1, A2, B5, B6, A, B9. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We know those are cells. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us for our first episode of There's a Column for That. I'm your host, author, storyteller, and podcaster, Jamie Beth Cohen. Today, I'll be talking to Carolyn Hateman. For anyone who knows me as their spreadsheet friend, please know that I refer to Carolyn as my spreadsheet friend. Carolyn and I worked together at a private school in Los Angeles, California, many moons ago, and I think you'll be able to tell from our conversation that she's a somewhat atypical CPA. This chat was recorded on August 27th, and we're releasing it on September 10th. Please remember to wear your mask, Black Lives Still Matter, and it's 53 days until Election Day. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome to the There's a Column for That podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you live, how you identify, what line of work you're in? Do you have any hobbies or passions that take up a lot of your brain space? Hi, Jamie. Good to see you. I'm Carolyn Hateman. And that was a lot of questions at once for me to remember. So let's... Okay, perfect. Um, I'm originally from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, lived for 14 years in Madison, Wisconsin, lived six years in LA, and now I'm back full circle 20 years later in Pennsylvania. I am the CFO at Westtown School in Westchester, Pennsylvania. My actual title is Dean of Finance and Operations. Um, my head of school comes from higher ed, so she, she likes the term dean better than chief. Fine with me. Same job. Been there for five years. What am I forgetting? My passions are spreadsheets. How can, <laughs> how can I not say that after being asked to do this interview? Um, but I do love, I love to cook and bake. I enjoy reading when I'm not too tired. And uh, yeah, that's about it. This may be obvious, but maybe not. How do you interact with spreadsheets in your work or your life or both? Both. I definitely interact with them every day at work. And prior to this job, I was an Excel purist. I only ever used Excel. And now I'm at a school that everything's Google. So 95% of my work is now in Google Sheets. So that was a big switch. Um, let's so, talk about that a little. <laughs> let's dive right in there because I do use both. I use them yeah. mindfully for different things, but I find Excel has more functionality. Yeah, that's, that's true. But most, most of how I'm using it now and because I'm sharing it so much with other people, they're usually more simplistic spreadsheets and the share function and the ease of share far outweighs any kind of functionality that, that I would need in what I'm doing. You know, it, I just use it in a lot of ways to organize, summarize, and share information with other people all over the school, and they do the same with me. I implemented zero-based budgeting, and every single budget manager at the school, which I think there's about 40 of them, all of them have a budget Google Sheet that um, each tab is a, is a school year, and it gets wiped out. Everything in the Google Sheet gets wiped out, and then um, they build their budget from scratch. And so um, at least from a school-wide usage standpoint, that's probably how Google Sheets are most widely used where I work. Do you think people cheat with zero-based budgeting and look back at the year before and just copy things over? 
no not, doubt. Not your people, but people in general. Yeah, and even my people. I mean, I, I think it's hard to think completely from scratch. Um, and that's why I leave the information there because it, it is good to refer to it. But the amount of detail that people have you know, created over the years makes it less cheaty. They just have a really good sense of their own numbers. In your life, or is there a favorite problem, program, project you've tackled with a spreadsheet? What don't I tackle with a spreadsheet? Fair right? enough. Let's, let's be honest. I'm sure way back 20 some, 27 years ago, I'm sure I used a detailed Excel spreadsheet for our wedding, guest list and all of that, right? But that's literally a thousand years ago, so I barely remember that. Um, like what Google, what, I have an Excel file going now. Oh, I use it a lot for college search information. So my daughter is a freshman at college and just compiling and summarizing different information about the colleges. And it was more her spreadsheet than mine, but I certainly kept an eye on it. Um, we used that quite heavily because we, we shared it. Um, and now I have a, a little Google sheet going for, we're thinking of, um, building a home in the Poconos in the next couple of years. And I have a spreadsheet about, um, you know, different like in, indoor design concepts, outdoor musts, you know, just, just different, uh, different categories of things that I don't want to forget. So I, I think in spreadsheets for, for as, better or for worse. As do I. I mean, I think there are people who, who do, and I think those are the people that I'm going to be talking to. And I think that <laughs> I get how some people don't, don't. And so mm -hmm. some yeah, people, I mean, my joke is that in every friend group or in any office, there is the spreadsheet person and I'm that person and I want to talk to those people. What about the limitations of spreadsheets and what kind of problems can they not solve or what kind of projects can they not help with? Or some people want to marry a spreadsheet and I can relate to that, but marriages aren't always, you know, happy and cheery. So where, where are those cracks? Providing ways for people to do not, not just, you know, numeric ratings, but also narratives is really, really important. So let's, let's say I bring in, four candidates for a position, right? And I use a Google form that then exports, you know, right over to a Google sheet. So it's, it's very easy to get the, you know, A, B, C, D, F ratings or one to five or whatever. But the, the first time I sent out a Google form and involved the, the people in the interview process, three people said, but what if I want to write something? Incredibly reasonable request. So, so it's harder to evaluate narrative information when it gets dumped into a Google Sheet, and yet it's very critical for people to be able to express themselves in words and not just numerically. So I, I think that's an example of how not everyone thinks in spreadsheets or just in columns and rows. We met working at a school where mm -hmm. I had been, I, my hire preceded yours by maybe a couple months. And I was, uh, I talk a lot when I talk about spreadsheets about we all know how to do what we do in them. Like very few people know, uh, in my opinion, Google Sheets or know Excel from soup to nuts, every function, everything, you learn what you need to know. And so I would say that I was so fortunate that you came in you technically weren't my boss, but I treated you like you were my boss. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and your knowledge, I had been using spreadsheets in my life and almost exclusively, exclusively Excel at that time. 
for a lot of words. And I am a word person. You tend to be more a number person and you knew a lot about that number part of Excel that I think is more, more widely used. Um, but you taught me so much. And yet when you said, oh, well, but how can you put a narrative in a spreadsheet? I wanted to be like, oh, I'll tell you how you put a narrative in a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain and, you know, how to wrap text and how to format a cell so it's mostly readable. But I also think you make, at least when you were using Excel and when we were working together, you make incredibly readable reports out of Excel, which was something, my Excel spreadsheets tend to be back-end data, like things mm -hmm. that only I understand. And if I'm mm -hmm. going to share with someone, I need to really think about how other people are going to interact with it. And so my spreadsheets tend to be dirty where, and if I'm going to make a report, I'm going to move that into Word, right? I'm going to create a chart and cut and paste it into Word. But I was always super impressed with how attractive your spreadsheet reports were. So I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but I, I really valued that and so many other things while working with you. I think, I think that's public accounting, right? I think I, you know, I had several years in public accounting and you are preparing reports all the time for non-financial people. So I had clients who were painters and hairstylists and landscape architects and, you know, commercial contractors, right? And so, um, I always had to think about how I'm presenting it to non-financial people. And I think just doing that for several years honed my skills on what resonates with people and what doesn't. The result was that I just learned how to always make reports very readable because I had audiences that needed that. I, I'm going to take what you said at face value. I would also like to issue a compliment that I don't think everyone who did what you did could do it as well as you could do it. So I think I've seen plenty especially working in <laughs> academic environments of spreadsheets that the budget manager thinks make sense. And the rest of us are like, but what? So <laughs> I believe that that's how you honed your skill, but I do think it's a skill that you bring some innate talent to and always really impressed me. Oh, I'll accept that compliment. Thank you. Uh, so we already talked a little bit about this. Excel, Google Sheets, or something else, and also Mac or PC or tablet, or so how do you, I know now you're working a lot in Google Sheets, but what are your preferences and what's your history with that? Well, Mac or PC, I have a, I have a personal, my own laptop is a MacBook Pro, but at work I use a PC, so I'm toggling between the two. Super common, super yeah. common, and that's my, yeah. that's my life as well. I'm using Google Sheets probably 95% of the time. When someone sends me an attachment that is an Excel file, I'm like, ah, how am I going to share this, right? Um, so it, it's more, I do prefer working in Excel, but the logistics of sharing just outweigh, you know, using Excel versus Google Sheets. So, um, yeah, I prefer Excel and always will. <laughs> do you have a favorite command or function? Yes. Yes, I read this question on your list of questions and it was so immediate. Like, of course I have a favorite one. And I actually have two. Okay. One is very common, like anything at if. And when I say at if, like that dates me. Long time ago when it was Lotus123, instead of Excel, you use the at command, right? So 
the if command is is definitely a favorite. I so do like that. Talk about that a little bit more because not everyone uses that or uses Excel or Sheets in that way. When I'm looking especially at huge volumes of information and I want to just parse out certain pieces, you know, using the if function to return a value. You know, if this number is greater than 100, then put the word yes. If this is less than 100, put the word no. Or um, if this number is equal to this number, then do this multiplication. If not, put a zero. You, you wouldn't use it on like a really short little spreadsheet usually. Maybe you would, but I generally use it when I have huge volumes of information and I'm trying to do kind of big calculations. Tie for if function is concatenate. I'm a big fan of concatenate. Um, and, and I think that's come from the academic space where I'm often getting data in two different cells, particularly names, last names and first names, and I want the names together. Um, so I, I often use concatenate to, when I'm doing a report or I need to bring two columns of data together. It's just such a, a magical, a magical little, little trick. And it is. And I think it's one of those things that not everyone knows even exists because if they're not working, say, in the academic space, which this, that is really common, or they're not working with words as much as they're working with numbers, because you would never concatenate a number, right? That wouldn't, no. Make, no, that wouldn't make sense. So right. yeah, right. That's, that's one of the things that is both like really cool and really maddening because I think some of us spend a lot of time doing things manually that there are actually functions for, and unless you actually know that there are functions for them, you would never, you would never know. Here's a really weird one. It's not a function, but it's one of those things that like, if people don't know this, it ruins their life and they don't even know that their lives have been ruined by it. <laughs> Did you know that when merging from Excel to Word, if there is a space in the name of the file, it won't work? No, because I never do mail merges. <laughs> but that would be very annoying. So I came across this years ago and was like pulling my hair out because Trying I knew I out. was doing everything right and it wasn't yeah, yeah. working. And I thought, well, that someone told me what was going on. I fixed it. And I assumed that was a bug that would have been worked out a decade ago. And at my current job, somebody renamed a folder. Mm, with a space in it. And I was like, oh, I'm sure Microsoft has figured this out by now. And I went to merge a document that I had merged frequently in the past, and it didn't work. And I went back in and renamed the folder without spaces, and it worked. And I was like, had I not had that one experience 10 years ago that I remember to this day, it would be one of those old people, it was actually 20 years ago. If, <laughs> if I hadn't had that experience 20 years ago, I don't know where I would have begun with that error. While you were talking, I did think of another, oh, another please, favorite function. Please share. I'm such a geek. Um, round up, mm -hmm. comma, negative three. What? So when, so the school I work, work at is um, rather sizable. We have like a $30 billion budget and my finance team, anytime they give me reports, they always give me out to the dollar. So, you know, 3,463,214. Well, I don't want 214. I want it to round to the nearest thousand, especially for all my board reports, right? So if you use the round up, 
and then use negative three, it'll round to the nearest thousand, which is, I use that on every board report because I, I, it's fine for them to give me that level of detail, but I don't want my board to see that. They, they just need to see round numbers. Right. See, again, so, that's um, something that I don't think other people would necessarily, because what you're doing is you're making it more readable. You're, you're glossing it at a little bit of a higher level, which is actually easier for the people to then digest, which makes the whole process easier, as opposed to someone saying, no, they need to know to the penny because I want to be super transparent. Well, at a certain point, the transparency and the readability are at odds with each other. Yeah, it, it would make me a somewhat atypical CPA to... Um not go to the dollar, but I, I've been told before that I'm not your typical CPA. So I believe I've told you that. I believe you <laughs> yep, told probably. me that. <laughs> I believe I learned that from you. Yes, very true, very true. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about color coding, cells and or typeface? I don't use it much in day-to-day -day work or down in the body of the guts of a spreadsheet. And I'm frankly somewhat annoyed when people use lots of colors. It throws me off. I'm a color coder for my own personal spreadsheets, which is to say, for example, when I'm freelance pitching an essay, there are things that when I open the document, I need to see highlighted yellow and I need to see in red typeface to know if you have no time to do anything else but this one thing today, this is the thing you have to do. So I do yep. color code. Not to see, and I go back to before you could sort by colors. Now you can sort yeah. by colors. Can you sort by color in Google Sheets though? Oh, I don't know. See, I, don't I, know. Feel, I, I feel like I think some of the things that I used to do, I don't do now because I can't. Right. So you just have workarounds and then you forget that that functionality ever existed. Right. Although I will tell you that I, so I overdo it because I never sort by color but often when I am sorting, the colors line up. And that's because the colors are really just a visual representation of something else that's happening. Yeah, okay, I got Does that. Does that make sense? So yeah, I don't yeah, rely right. on, color, on sorting by color coding because that wasn't a function I had when I came to the program. When I've seen other people use spreadsheets, particularly long ones, I'm always stunned that they don't freeze the rows or columns. Like to me, that blows my mind because that's like, spreadsheet 101 or if they don't have a little filter or sort buttons turned on for the column also mind-blowing mm -hmm. because almost every one of the spreadsheets I create that's the first thing you do I wonder if there's a way to set that as a template like to say every time I open a new Excel spreadsheet I want rows and columns frozen I want filter turned on it should be I mean, probably not well you, you're freezing it at different places for every spreadsheet though. oh not so mine are pretty basic compared to yours so i always freeze the top row but oh, again yeah, you no, no, put okay. headers i know you use titles above the data yeah so no you're right but i feel like there should be like a template like jamie's spreadsheet should always be frozen the top row should always have the filter turned on. I'm but, sure that exists. Yeah, maybe. More on that a later. Macro, that that might your... be a that might be a macro. I don't I don't Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this a little already. Is there anything else about spreadsheets that you think other people might not know? I guess I'm always surprised when people don't know about pivot tables. My next question is, do you know why and how to make a pivot table? So please illuminate so us. Pivot tables. So I recently hired um, a new position, uh, hired someone new, a new direct report, and she was working on something. And 
I texted her. I'm like, I have something life-changing for you. And she's like, well, you know, that piqued her interest, right? And so I called her up and I told her all about pivot tables. And she's still laughing at me that I described pivot tables as life-changing, but she's like, they really are. Pivot tables are life-changing. And I feel like, this is a silly analogy, but if someone's in med school and they get to organic chemistry and they can't get past organic chemistry, so they can't be a doctor anymore, I feel like pivot tables kind of sorts the serious spreadsheet users from the casual spreadsheet users, right? And there's nothing wrong with either category, but I feel like it's that that break point. Like if you are regularly using pivot tables, you have arrived. Like you are an official spreadsheet user. But again, I'm going to push back a little bit because not everybody uses spreadsheets for numerical data. So, so for anyone who uses it for numerical data, it's life-changing. Can you give us a 30-second, this is what a pivot table is, this is why you would use it, and this is how you make it? Because I will say that you made my pivot tables for me, and <laughs> it was something I did infrequently enough that even if I tried to do it on my own, by the next time I needed to do it, I would have forgotten it, and so I would just come back to you. So please share your wisdom. My very best advice, and anyone I've taught pivot tables, I literally send them like three links from Google and say, watch all three of these and see which one resonates with you. Okay, will you send me those and I'll include them in the show notes? I will. But I also will please, that. but also please. It's most often used when you have a lot of data and you want to look at it a number of different ways. So if you have a person's name, their height, their weight, their grade, I'm just picking random, you know, their eye color, their hair color, um, their age, whatever. You can highlight the ginormous, real word, ginormous spreadsheet and hit pivot table and then literally drop and drag and build your own pivot table based on what you wanna see. If you wanna count how many people have brown eyes, you can do that. If you wanna, filter on anyone over 60 inches, which happens to be my height, you can do that. If you, like, it, it allows you to just manipulate huge amounts of data in any way that you want. So it's, it's just an extremely life-changing tool. Yeah, that was great. There are people who don't use spreadsheets in that way and still use them very effectively. So for example, I have a friend who plots her novels using spreadsheets. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. You would never need to use a pivot table because really what you're doing is you're using it like a big whiteboard, but it's in your computer and you take it with you everywhere you go. So it's just about and I love it. I love she's taught me her method. I you know, she said, "How do you feel about spreadsheets?" And I was like, "I'm here. What do you like what what can I do for you?" And she taught me her method and what's really amazing is you can see okay, if this character hasn't shown up in six chapters, is there a reason for that? Because the, the readers are going to forget about that character. And so it allows you to plot things like that um, visually. So it's more about a tool of visually separating out narrative elements. And I can't imagine a pivot table being useful. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. I just, I don't think in text, I think in numbers and that's, right. that's pretty obvious. I did think of one. There's this um, handy function in Excel called goal seek. So if you have 500 widgets and you sell them for $10 each 
and your profit margin is this percentage and your tax rate is this percentage and you want to make $14,320. You can use the goal seek function in Excel and put all the no, it's basically algebra, put all the knowns that you have in your spreadsheet and then for goal seek, fill in the number of widgets I need to sell to make $14,000. And it will just reiterate and do these fancy calculations in milliseconds and give you that exact number. That is amazing. It's kind of cool. I haven't used it much, maybe once a year, but when I do, I love it. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to talk about related to spreadsheets before we move on to some other little stuff? I can't wait to see how many people listen to this podcast. <laughs> there'll, there'll be a spreadsheet for downloads each Excellent. week. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I always like to find out, because I'm just a curious person, uh, what people, what kind of media people are consuming. So we are recording this at the end of August. You work in an academic setting. I work in an academic setting. It's a weird time of year, but are there any podcasts, TV shows, movies, books, albums that you're just really excited about right now and would recommend for people who like spreadsheets or other things you're interested in? I haven't seen many Netflix specials on spreadsheets, have to admit, but I have. Um, I'm almost done watching Love on the Spectrum. I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just a, a um, slice of life that. It's very fascinating to see how, how challenging it can be for some people to relate to others. Um, but it's, it's, it's done very tastefully and not in a voyeuristic kind of way at all. And I, I would highly recommend it. The individuals who are, have the most prominence in the series are pretty solidly into the spectrum, right? But I can, for people who are, you know, less so, you can definitely um, glean from them from, from watching the series, what it's like for anyone on the spectrum and how difficult some things that I take for granted in relating to others, how easy it is to take things for granted in that regard. Any uh, projects you're working on, nonprofits you're involved with, causes, issues? Yeah, I, I mean, something that's just so front and center on my mind is how to get people to the polls in a pandemic or how to get people, how to motivate and actively participate in getting people to vote and how to do that in a pandemic. It's just, it's really front and center on my mind. And, you know, particularly in Pennsylvania, it's just so important. And I, I, I won't get political for a variety of reasons, but I, I really am pondering how best to get involved in the upcoming election. I don't have any magic answers or anything to share beyond that. And lastly, do you have a question for me? be about anything. What's your latest favorite takeout place in Lancaster? Ooh, that's a good one. So yeah, see, we, you're a foodie, so uh, I knew yeah. this would be easy. So we have not eaten in a restaurant since bef before March 13th, but, we have, have, right, yeah. but we have been doing takeout in the beginning, it was a Friday night treat for like, if we could get the kids through the week, <laughs> then Friday night we would do takeout. Um, we have an issue in that we do not all agree. And so unfortunately, three of us will get takeout from Cafe East, which is, you know, Asian fusion, yep, like, yep, yep. you know, sushi, uh, Chinese, Thai. And uh, our youngest member will get a cheeseburger from Five Guys, which thankfully is in the same shopping center. So at least there's that. 
when I, I do come to the office twice a week and I will get lunch from the fridge in Lancaster. Okay. Uh, it is a pizza and beer place. I neither drink beer nor eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but they have an edamame hummus vegetable sandwich that is unbelievable. So it's roasted vegetables, a really good bun spread with edamame hummus, and they give you just the right amount of chips on the side. And it is perfect. And I think it's funny because I walk in there and I ask for that. And I know the women who work behind the counter and, or now I have to call ahead, but they still know it's me. And they'll be like, oh, a half. And I've never had the guts to say, no, no, I want a whole. <laughs> but you really, really do want a whole. <laughs> you could get two lunches out of it or one big lunch. Or one big lunch. But they're always, I'm like, a oh, vegetable sandwich with chips. And they're like half. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, half. <laughs> so that's my favorite work takeout place. But my favorite home dinner takeout place is Harvey's Barbecue in Mount Joy. Interesting. And I drive all the way out to Mount Joy. And I love the food at Harvey's, but what I love even more is their process. It is super, and that's the same for the fridge. Like I trust them. Harvey's Barbecue, they have converted their parking lot into a drive-through. So you call your order ahead of time and then there's a loop in the parking lot where you pay, then you pull up, then they bring you your meal and then you drive away. And so I both like the safety and how well they're doing that and the food, which is amazing. They have a limited menu because of COVID. If they had their full menu, my whole family could eat there. But because Uh. they don't have chicken fingers on the limited menu, yeah, it's a problem. So got it. Well, thanks for that question. That was awesome. <laughs> I know. Well, food and Jamie, like you and I are fellow foodies. So we um, are. I miss, I miss yeah. sharing takeout tie with you. At, at I know. Yeah. Oh, that place yeah. was delicious. That place was good. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was great. And I hope uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did. I did indeed. Thanks so much for listening today. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review everywhere you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at column underscore pod. Special thanks to Nora Grace and Josiah for our theme song, Sam Schindler for editing and production, Nick Peterson for additional music, and you for listening. Have a great day.